0: Hello, you're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Mason Dixon, and this is Habs Nightly, your hub for Habs content. Before we begin, a short message from our friends at MyBookie. If you are listening to this hockey podcast, you are probably a Montreal Canadiens fan, and you probably think you know a lot about the sport of hockey. Well, MyBookie gives you an opportunity to prove it. So, why not test your knowledge while earning a little extra cash? MyBookie gives you so many ways to win, and that's not even the best part. If you sign up now using the promo code THPN, MyBookie will match your bet halfway up to $1,000. That means if you bet $100, MyBookie will give you 50 bucks. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win. You get paid. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. So we are back. It is Thursday, recording this Wednesday night, late after the Boston Bruins-Montreal Canadiens game. We are going to talk about that. That was so incredibly frustrating um, on a number of different levels, going along with you know my constant theme of the absolute shit quality of refereeing that we have received from the NHL officials this season, as well as just some sloppy play, lack of finishing, a bunch of stuff. Although, the, you know, Price, I thought, played pretty solid. We're going to get into all of that. It's been a very hectic week in the Montreal Canadiens world. We've seen Ilya Kovalchuk's name around, float around in trade rumors. We saw this big thing with Weber on Wednesday today um wow there's just a whole bunch going on there so we're gonna have to talk about that Jake Evans called up you know performed very well we're gonna look at Laval it's it's a very we're gonna try to look at a lot of things this episode so pretty excited so how about we just jump right into it so that this game oh my god I can't begin to talk about how frustrated I am and i Look, I I knew Montreal probably wasn't gonna win. Boston is one of the best teams in the NHL for a reason. Arguably the best team, although I will never fucking admit that on this podcast. Uh, we got Pasternak to put it you know plain and simply. David Pasternak scored a hat trick, and he every shot he took went in, and. Price almost saved the second one. They had no chance on just essentially no chance on all of them. They posternock Posternocked us. But if you look past that, it wasn't just that. Montreal played extremely sloppily all game. Um, lack of finishing. You know, we saw with Jeff Petrie on. I believe it was Posternock's second goal. Maybe his third. I I can't remember at this point honestly. But um. Tatar brought the puck in, had plenty of like a good five seconds to shoot the puck. Decided to pass to Petrie. Okay, probably should have shot, but Petrie was in great position. Petrie tries to dangle through like eight guys through the middle, like the whole every player on the ice was there, jam packed. Gets stripped. Boston goes down and score, score stuff like that, and that was basically Montreal's game, the whole game, just constantly getting stripped of the puck losing it, not shooting when they should, playing sloppy in the neutral zone and in the offensive zone. It was brutal. And you think a team that needs the points as bad as Montreal would play like, you know, with a little more I don't want to say urgency because they were playing with urgency, but like I don't I don't know the word, like you should care, you should be more careful with the puck, you should be more conscious of those mistakes and they just seemed to let it happen and they didn't try to remedy that situation. They didn't try to fix that what they were doing wrong. They just kept doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting different results. That is literally the definition of insanity, and that's how Montreal was playing tonight. It was brutal, you know there were a few players that I thought played pretty well could pretty good games um Gallagher I actually thought played a pretty good game. Jake Evans impressed me, Nate Thompson. Nick Cousins actually didn't play bad. You know, some players did their job very well. Jeff Petrie, um, that was one of his worst games, if I'm going to be honest, that I've seen in a long time. I liked the fight with Marchand. I thought he played hard, but it was just sloppy, and you don't see him usually make mistakes that bad, and that was a big goal to give up. That essentially sank Montreal. They were right at it until that moment. After that, it became a boring game to watch just because you knew Boston was not going to let Montreal make up a two-goal deficit if it was... I'm certain I think it was the third goal. Now, either way, you knew Boston was going to win from that point on. I think, it's, I think it's pretty telling of how Montreal played. When you look at the stats and see that Carey Price had a point nine one nine save percentage, almost .92, which is above league average by a large margin, and still let in three goals. Like, Boston had... had Thirty-eight shots on net. That's so ridiculous, and I just again, it's Boston. Montreal only got twenty-nine. This is a team that leads the league in shots. They average almost thirty-five shots a game. They only got twenty-eight. They, it was just brutal. And all that aside, I get that Boston is you know, one of the best teams in the NHL. I just, this was a very important game for Montreal. And hearing the news, which I will get into about Weber, I think it was really important that we stole a win from Boston here. You know, the return of Jonathan Drouin, I thought it was a good opportunity for us to do so, especially when um, Nick Suzuki scored that goal to get us right back in it. But I guess it's it's just not meant to be this year. You know, they're going to, I think Montreal is going to keep us hopeful through the entire season, but I still, I think this was really big. It was a game we needed to win. We need to be able to steal games from high-quality teams, and they just were not able to do that tonight. And finally, just before we move on to blaming the refs and, you know, yelling at Chara for what I'm sure you guys are waiting for, you saw that, you probably watched the game, saw him and Gallagher going back and forth. We would take a big step back and look at Arguably the number one reason that Montreal lost this game. Not because Boston's better. Not because they weren't shooting the puck. Not because they were sloppy. None of that. Not because of the refs. Nothing. Because they could not finish or score a power play goal to save their lives. And it wasn't, it wasn't just they didn't score. They didn't have any opportunity to score. Every power play was horrible. I think this was the worst game for the Montreal power play unit all year long. And <laughs> we are horrible on the power play, so that is definitely saying something. Every opportunity they had on the power play was a great opportunity to cash cash it in, capitalize, get back in the game. They had plenty of them. They had plenty of opportunities. I don't know the exact number, but they had a decent amount of power plays this game. And they couldn't get anything going whatsoever. It's like, with Weber not in the lineup, they don't know what to do. And it's just, we've gone back to such a one-dimensional power play. It's so frustrating. And something needs to change. Kirk Muller either needs to figure out a new plan or get his ass fired. Because you know what? He is a Habs legend. Captain Kirk did so much for the Montreal Canadiens. You cannot take away anything from his pro hockey career. But right now he is not working as a coach for our team because his job is to fix the special teams and they are absolutely dog shit. I have been, I think, pretty patient with him. I haven't called him out too much on the season. I've really you know, left it to the players because this is a group that has had many different schemes over the years and it's never worked. But at the end of the day, the fall guy is always the coach. He's always the first guy you got to blame. And, you know, the, if you look at the players Montreal has, he should be making it work. It's his job to make it work. He's got to figure out something because that was brutal tonight, and I don't think it was just the players. I think it's their scheme as well. With that out of the way, though, all my bitching aside, you know, I think we all know where Montreal's power play is, all that. Like, I can bitch forever. We all understand the issues, I don't need to reinforce it too much. But it's been of it's been a while since I bitched about the refs. So I just fucking need to. So sorry guys, but like come on. This game was especially horrible. And we're gonna start by looking at that fucking Zdeno Chara cross check to Brandon Gallagher. If that is not a fine, you know, I agree with Elliot Friedman, it's not a suspension. But if it's not a fine, I'm gonna be so livid. George Peros is horrible at his job you are put in place there to protect the players and this man is the worst at it he never makes the right call so i seriously doubt that they will make the right call and find chara here but regardless going back you know you've got a s- almost seven foot tall monster of a defenseman. And he just... Like, you don't need to make that play. You don't need to shove Brendan Gallagher. You don't need to take a cheap shot to show him who's boss. We know who's bigger. We know who'd win in a fight. You can rough him up without that that shit. But anyway, Chara, you know, just blatantly just cross-checks him in the face. There was no embellishment on the play at all. And Gallagher does what any normal human would do after getting cross-checked in the face by a seven-foot-tall monster, he retaliates and tries to defend himself because the refs did not rush to his defense. So the fact that Brendan Gallagher got a roughing penalty after that, that should have been a five-on-three, instead it was a five-on-four because they had offsetting penalties. Montreal could have scored and you know that game could have gone totally differently. They might not have won, they could have got a point. And a point means everything to Montreal right now. So the refs majorly fucked up there. And then that Joel, Joel Armia penalty, I I thought it was going to be a high stick. I thought maybe the stick they called it roughing Tori. I believe it's Tori Krug. It was called on was just holding onto his stick. It should have been a holding penalty for Boston. just holding onto the stick. Armia. The only reason Armia hit him was because he was trying to get him off his stick. He was like a fucking leech just holding on for dear life. Armia was practically dragging him around the ice, and the refs called that roughing. That absolutely drove me insane. It's just, it's getting so fucking ridiculous at this point. The NHL referees getting away with all this bullshit. Like, I could get paid the same amount of money they do to go out there and do that job at this point. They're missing the most obvious calls, and it's, I just, it grinds my gear so much, like you are, those athletes out there, they're professional, they get paid to do the best job, because they're the best, they get paid to play hard, and do all that shit, right, you're a professional referee, this is your career, and you're, instead of, You're going to allow blemishes like that on your record as a professional. Shit like this. They never... They rarely, like... Sorry, let me... They make the wrong call all the time. And as a professional, that should embarrass you. Like, you know what I mean? You shouldn't be... You should want to remedy that situation. You should want to fix that. You know, stop making the wrong call. Play better. Instead, they're just... They seem to be okay with it just constantly making the wrong call all the time. And I understand that's probably not the case, and I understand that it's a really hard job. I could not do it. I say, whatever, I'm pissed off. But as a professional, you need to take pride in your work and stand by it. And if you don't... They seem to be apologizing a lot for calls they make. If you feel you can't stand by your work, then why... like, Why are you why are you doing it? I just don't understand. I really do hope that with the new CBA coming up and GM meetings that are going to be happening, you know, following the season's end, all that stuff going on, I really do hope that the NHL and and or the Players Association and the Referees Association find a way to solve this issue because it shouldn't be impacting games as much as it is. And this is just one One game of how many this season that we have heard complaints about the officiating and where it could have had a viable impact on the game. And I understand Montreal lost 4-1, so one goal doesn't mean anything. But at that point in the game, it is important. You know, the momentum does matter in a hockey game. And I just, I don't know. Obviously, officiating is never going to be perfect. Part of the game is that we mess up. I myself hate the offside reviews. I think we should just let it happen as it is, unless it's so blatant. I think that's just the way it should be. It annoys me. Even when it goes for Montreal, I just it bothers me. However, I do believe that the NHL needs to crack down on these blatantly obvious missed calls that can just ruin a game. They ruin a fan's experience watching. Just when you feel like you're being cheated, it's not fun. Everyone's probably had that experience where they're just yelling at the TV, going what, like, what the fuck, why did, that is not a, how many times have you yelled, that's not a fucking penalty, or this is bullshit, or just gotten frustrated, I guarantee it is tens of times in an NHL season, I'm not going to go hundreds, you know, maybe some of you that are fucking mental, that it's hundreds, but tens of times that it occurs in one person throughout an entire season, and that's always going to be the case, you're always going to be biased to your team you're always going to think the refs are trying to cheat you but i've been watching hockey for my whole life and this is the worst season i have ever experienced in that short time i will add so i'm sure you know some people who are older than me maybe some of you are most of you probably are yeah like you've seen it worse whatever i just in my opinion and i do regard it as an opinion of a lot of the fans of the NHL this year, just based on what I hear from other people and see on Twitter, you all have my same viewpoint, and it's just getting ridiculous at this point. So all that said, I really, really hope that this is something they look at. Obviously, they've got bigger things on their minds, such as, you know, the Olympics, which, you know, some exciting stuff on that. We're hearing that the IOC is willing to make concessions for the NHL, I'm hoping the NHL doesn't use this as a bargaining chip in the CBA, although I'm sure they will. Why wouldn't you? So that's going to be really interesting. We might see the NHL players back in the Olympics. you got to hope, right? I want to see Crosby and McDavid play together. That is something that I need to see in my lifetime. And this will likely be one of the last opportunities, 2020, at least for Crosby as an elite player two years is a lot of time we don't know how Crosby's gonna be then so it'll be interesting but anyway moving on back to Montreal related stuff um just our final thing for tonight Shea Weber and I actually have to apologize I mistweeted this because I like most people probably got majorly duped by Nick Kiprios tweeting and if you didn't see this you're lucky because it gave me a heart attack Nick Kiprios tweeted out, and I will get the exact quote right here. Sources say Shea Weber has his season likely over and his future in question. Told injuries related to foot that was surgically repaired in 2018 while waiting for swelling to alleviate and further confirmation. Surgery seemed unavoidable going into this week. Essentially, this man said that Shea Weber's career could be in peril, and as you can probably guess, Habs fans on Twitter and all over the internet were going absolutely nuts, myself included. You can't just tweet that. Apparently, we found out later, he's out six to eight weeks, which is horrible. I never even, I never thought his injury was that. I never noticed anything. It just, it seemed like something minor has turned into something huge. Six to eight weeks does require surgery or doesn't, sorry, doesn't require surgery. I don't believe it's a sprained ankle. And Nick Kiprios is out here saying that his career could be over. You, know, you cannot just tweet that as an analyst, as an insider. You need to understand the facts. And, you know, sometimes, instead of getting a hot take, instead of getting the facts first, it's more important, actually not sometimes, it's always more important to make sure you get the facts right. And, I don't know, that's just surprising coming from, you know, an analyst of his caliber, one of the big names out there in the hockey world. So that was terrifying for myself, especially, I'm sure it was terrifying for a lot of people. But moving on from just that, um, this has killed our season. I officially, we're done. Petrie, I have said, and I will stand by the fact, despite his horrible game, he likes to step it up when Weber is gone. But he cannot fill those shoes. Weber was having an amazing all-star season. Putting up points, being great defensively. Really just taking charge as the captain of this team. They were making a push, and without Weber, there's no chance in hell we'd make the playoffs. Unless Carey Price goes on and records a bunch of shutouts, has like a 945 save percentage, Gallagher starts heating up, and Domi starts heating up. We really need Domi too. We're not making the playoffs this year, and that's just how it is. It's going to suck. It's going to be sad. I understand that, but at least we are going to get a quality draft pick this season. Going into next year, you know that cannot hurt us. Um, I think we're gonna have a competitive team next year. Obviously, we're gonna have to hope Weber comes back, you know, fully healthy. A sprained ankle is not the worst injury in the world. I've sprained stuff in the past. You know, you can usually gain full mobility. Of course, Weber is older, so it will be different. But man, when he's healthy, hopefully he comes back 100% healthy because. That could be horrible for us next season, too. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, but it, it, I don't know. It's kind of sad. I guess we could have seen what could have been. I don't think Montreal would have made the playoffs, but they're definitely going to make a push. They still might. Both at Weber in the picture, I just don't see that as a possibility. But anyway, so that will conclude this week's episode. Sorry, it's a little shorter. Um, school's back for me got some stuff going on but recording this kind of late but um you know that's just how it is. I am will be coming out next week on Monday we'll have a longer episode bringing back the Bayou Benders you know bringing them back a little more so that's gonna be fun. Um, we're probably gonna just shoot the shit and talk about all the stuff that occurs from now and Monday. I'm sure it'll be very hectic as we approach the trade deadline. So as always, I've been Mason Dixon, and this is Habs Nightly. Thank you for stopping by.